were celebrating an anniversary last year. And, and so in a, in a lot of sense, uh, the particularization in five years kind of in is pushing off into a new era of City of Hope. And um, I just hope that this uh, word here today would give you a couple of things to cling to as we push off as a particularized church continues to serve the city of Muncie. Um, by way of errors, I'm reminded of uh, a few years ago, we lived in Washington, D.C. We, uh, we had just gotten married, and we were serving out of the church out there. Um, and when I moved, actually, we hadn't gotten married. Sorry. I moved before we got married. So I moved out there just at the inauguration. So Trump had just gotten elected, um, and I, I didn't have anything else to do. I was happy to be in D.C. Uh, had never been to the big city, uh, D.C. And so I went down for the inauguration, um, and, and I'm walking through, and it's just crowds and droves of people there supporting. Uh, and, and this is not like a pro-Trump or, or against Trump. This is just my story. Okay, so everybody relax. Um, so uh, I, I'm walking through, and you can see all the Trump paraphernalia. You can see uh, all the people chanting his name, the inauguration that just happened. I mean, there's shirts, there's T-shirts, there's buttons, there's pins, there's everything. Uh, all of these things are hailing at least one thing to be true, no matter how you felt about his presidency, is that a new era had begun, right? Um, the same thing happens about every four to eight years in our country, right? We elect a new leader, and we just had another, uh, another election with Biden. Uh, and, and so um, there, there are things that mark a new era in, in life. And what happens here in Matthew is Matthew is writing to uh, the people, uh, trying to let them know that there is a new era about to begin. Uh, some, some people even view Matthew kind of as a... a messianic propaganda, if you will, right? And so Matthew is writing this story. He's writing this gospel to uh, a predominantly Jewish audience trying to convince them that the Messiah that they have been waiting on is here, right? Uh, everything in history, especially in their history as a people, has pointed to somebody coming to set things right. And Matthew is waving his flag and saying, that moment is now, he is here. Uh, all, all the things are pointing to Jesus as the Messiah. And so uh, in another way, they say this, uh, that Matthew, uh, in the beginning, it says, this is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of David, and of Abraham, right? Uh, uh, some commentaries believe that this is another way that you can uh, understand that, that you can translate that, is that uh, this is the, what did they put, the book of the new Genesis brought on by Jesus Christ. Uh, in a very real sense, when Jesus comes onto the scene, he is bringing a new creation. He is bringing a new kingdom. He is bringing a new set of ethics. He is bringing everything is new. And so here Matthew is writing Jesus's kind of inauguration address, if you will. He's writing his introduction. And he's saying a few things that I want us to notice from the text. He says, just a list of names. What are you saying? I say a few things. It might help us out. Uh, first is God's promise. Second is God's means. And third, we see God's man. God's promise, God's means, and God's man. First, let's take a look at God's promise. It says, uh, this is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. And then he launches off into this genealogy, right? Uh, see, 
what we have to remember when we come to uh, reading the scriptures is that we are reading the scriptures in 2022 in, uh, right, United States of America from a Western uh, civilization, from a background, right, a different background. We, we come with different ideas to the text, uh, but if you try to put yourself in the seat of the original audience, what you'll, you'll hear is that um, Matthew is giving them kind of these, like, uh, hot topics, right? Like, um, I'm trying to think of one that might work for you all right now. Um, well, if I'm honest, uh, when I mentioned Trump in the beginning, some of, <laughs> I don't know where your mind, <laughs> I don't know where your mind went, right? Uh, I, I, but, but, but it triggers something, right? Uh, it triggers a memory. And so, so when Matthew says that uh, he's writing the genealogy of Jesus and Jesus is coming in a certain line and it jumps up to David, uh, he's communicating something. And then he jumps back further and says, and that line is connected to Abraham. And what is Matthew communicating to his audience, they would have started to remember that God has made some promises to David and to Abraham, that, 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 the, that, that the Messiah that is coming, uh, his great-great-great-granddaddy and him before him are, are people that were uh, heads of our people at a time and that God had made promises to them. In Genesis chapter 15, God makes a covenant with Abraham that Abraham would be a great nation, that Abraham would have land, that Abraham would be a blessing to the nations. Uh, and in that, God is fulfilling that promise through his people of Israel. We know this throughout Genesis. If you keep on fast forwarding, Israel gets uh, to a situation where they absolutely need, they want a king. They want a king like the rest of the nation. So God raises up David to be the king over Israel. And what does he do with David? He makes a solemn covenant promise with David as his king. And here, what Matthew was saying is that uh, those promises that God made to those people that represented you uh, long ago are now about to be fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Okay, uh, nobody's excited today. That's okay, we're going to get there. Uh, so you might say, okay, that's cool that, that God is, uh, that Matthew is trying to communicate that God is faithful to his promises to a group of people that might be familiar with those promises, but I'm not sure what that has to do with the city of hope pushing into a, a new era. And, and so uh, he, here's the reality. Just like Matthew is writing to that audience, he's also writing to us. Uh, Matthew wants to remind us that we serve a God that is faithful to his promises. Uh, and you've experienced his faithfulness to those promises over the past five years, all the way to the point of which you are now as, as a church. Um, I was at a conference a few years ago, and by a few years ago, I mean a long time ago, right? Like in undergrad, um, which isn't that long ago. I'm not old. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, and you know, you go to these conferences, and, and you know, you're singing worship songs, and you, you know, you're getting in, there's good speakers and all that stuff, and you kind of get this spiritual high. And historically, I've been told, right, like, Man, don't make big decisions. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it anyway because we're all we're not all adults. Uh, ask me about this joke later. Uh, don't make the big decisions on the on the on the mountaintop where the altitude is high, right? You could kind of figure what the joke was. Um, and, and so, um, but the speaker said this. He said, "No, no, no. The, the mountaintop is the best place to make decisions." Because on the mountaintop, you can look back on the valley you just came out of, and you can see the next valley that's coming, but you can also see the next peak. And so if you can make a decision here to be committed through, through the journey, then maybe you'll make it out to the next peak. And all I'm trying to tell you is that if you've come this far, 
and God has been faithful to his promises this long, you can trust that just as God was faithful to Israel and those promises here to bring a Messiah through the line of David, through the line of Abraham to complete and fulfill all of those promises, he will be faithful to you. He will be faithful to build his church in Muncie because he's been faithful to every promise that he's ever made. Uh, and, and in fact, you are an answer to somebody's prayer. The, the city of hope exists because somebody in Muncie that's not even in this room was praying for the city of Muncie for a group of people to come together and love one another like the scripture has called them to love one another and serve the city like the city needs to be served in light of the love of Jesus. And you are the manifestation of that prayer. You've been through too much to not believe that. I've been working for church plants for the past 12 years. Church plants are not for the faint of heart. Uh, uh, Starting up anything is not for the faint of heart, but when you talk about putting a group of people uh, together that are not only sinners, but know they are, right? Um, Man, it can get real messy. Nobody else in here? Okay, City of Hope is a great church. I got to call Josh. It can, it can be hard. You, You all are here, and there's some people that are not here because they couldn't make it. And that's nobody's fault, uh, or it might be somebody's fault, right? And that's what the God, and that's what the God, but God is saying, even in the midst, look at this list of how God has done and worked out his promise. He's worked his promise through a whole bunch of mess, and he's still faithful to the people that he made his promise to. God is going to be faithful to his promises. He's going to be faithful to keep you even into this new era. How do you know? Because he was faithful in the last era. He's going to be faithful now. Uh, on an individual level, some of us struggle with our walks with the Lord and with faith in the Lord because we uh, forget that he was faithful yesterday. And, and all we can see right now is, right, these people are coming out of a situation of 400 years of silence. They hadn't heard from God since Malachi, right? Uh, the, the space between your books is like two pages, right? They give you a bank page and then it says New Testament, right? And then you're like, oh, shoot, here we go, Right? <laughs> Uh, That's 400 years of silence. And then when he comes back on the scene after 400 years of silence, he says, guess what? I'm still faithful. And we say, yeah, but how the heck do you believe that? If I go away for four years and I come back and I tell my wife, hey, I still love you, right? She got some questions. (laughs) If we're being honest, she might not still be my wife, right? She might... uh, uh, that's why I married her twice, right? So she leaves me once. I got a backup marriage. Um, so, uh, see, this is my issue. I get all these side notes. God is going to be faithful even in the midst of his, in, in the midst of adversity. He's going to be faithful. And, and if you are here today and you are, are, are and the your situations in your life have forced you to be so narrow-sighted, right? Uh, uh, you can be in situations of life that feel like four hundred years of silence. Right? And what I'm trying to tell you is that even in the midst of that, God is still going to be faithful to his promise. It may not work out the way that you want it to. It may not work out in the time frame that you want it to. It may not even look like as we continue. It's not going to look like you want it to, but God himself is still faithful. He's still faithful to you because he's faithful to his promises. And you can see that because he was faithful to Abraham. He was faithful to David. And he's been faithful to bring the Messiah now. He's faithful to all these folks in between. So, so we see that God is faithful to his promise. God's promise is the first thing we see in this genealogy. That's just verse 1. 
Uh, next, we see God's means. And I'm not going to read all those names again, uh, but some of them probably sounded familiar to you, and you can start to uh, connect your, uh, your biblical narratives and your stories, right? Like as you read, you hear Boaz, and you know about Boaz, that's the kinsman redeemer, and you, you hear the name Ruth, and, and you know about uh, David and Bathsheba and uh, the, the issue with uh, Uriah and how Solomon is their child. So uh, a genealogy is kind of like a drop-down tab, right? Like, uh, you, you, get, you ever uh, use, like, Kindle books and stuff like that, and it'd be a big book, and it's like a chapter heading, and you click on it, and you're like, whoa, there goes the rest of the book, right? And it's all these options. Uh, uh, that's what a, gene, a genealogy is. Every name in this list, if you click on it, what you're going to see is all of these aspects working out. You're going to see God being faithful to his promises and all these people. You're going to see God working his plans out in unlikely ways. You're going to see God pointing people towards this ultimate reality of the Messiah, and, and, and the little micro stories that kind of build up this macro narrative, that's a lo- bunch of big words, um, but the point is this, is that God is going to be faithful to his promise, and he has an interesting means. God's means are this. Uh, his plans are extremely unlikely plans. Again, remember, uh, this is not us hearing this text for the first time. This is some folks way back then, uh, and as they start to be reminded of these stories, what they're reminded of is that God took his promise and and bringing his promise to uh, fruition, right? He working his promise out through a very unlikely plan. So we came from Indianapolis up here to to Muncie this morning, and we hopped on. Actually, I had to drop some stuff off at work, so we hopped on 465, uh, and then we took 465 around to 69, a straight shot up, right a couple side roads. Now, if the GPS had hopped me on 465 and told me to take 65 north towards Lafayette, um, and then cut across a different way and say, like, I still could have got here, right? But it would have been the most unlikely plan <laughs> to get to my destination, right? Uh, and, and if you tap on some of these names, what you start to see is that God uses the most unlikely plan to work out his promises and plan for his people. Uh, you don't believe me. Uh, God promises Abraham a land in Genesis chapter 15, and they don't get it all the way into the, into the middle of, uh, the, in the end of, uh, they get out in Genesis, they get out of, in Exodus, I'm sorry. They don't even get into it until the end of Deuteronomy, right? Uh, there are generations of God's chosen people that never see the promised land because God is working out his plan in an unlikely way. Uh, God works out his plan for Israel to head to the promised land through Egypt, uh, For some reason, God in his ultimate plan decided that his sovereign power and in the way that he had uh, written the story of Israel to work out his promises, he's going to take them through slavery. I wouldn't have picked that, right? Because what happens in Egypt, right? There's genocide in Egypt and all the males are almost killed off. and, And the promise looks like it's about to be a dead stop in the middle of Egypt. And what God does is he says, uh, uh, no, we're not going to go straight to our place. We're going to go down to uh, Samaria. I have business there. Uh, I'm not going to take you straight to the promised land, Abraham. I'm going to make you a wanderer, and then I'm going to make your people slaves, and then I'm going to make them wander again before I take them to the promised land. Uh, the, the monarchy doesn't end in a monarchy. David gets a covenant with God, and he ends up, uh, the monarchy ends up dead. They end up in exile. The kingdom splits, Right? These are all the things, right? They're looking at this list and they're like, how is God faithful? Look at this mess that, that our people have had to, to be through. Uh, 
Even now, they're still looking for a political king to come and help them take over and restore the glory days of Israel, right? The, the Messiah is coming, and he's, Matthew is laying out this genealogy, but they're looking for something, uh, they're looking for something else. Um, and, and, and all I, I would like to say is that God is going to take you just like he took his other people through a very unlikely plan. Uh, I, I don't know the details of how City of Hope has been uh, woven together. I prayed for you. I know kind of high level, but uh, I'm sure if I sat down for some of you at lunch, you could tell me that uh, we've had some very unlikely plans to get to today, to September 18th today, right? Like we've taken some detours that, that I wouldn't have taken, that I wouldn't have planned. We, we, we've made some decisions that I would have made. We've done things, um, and, and it seems like God is guiding us in a way that I just would not have chosen uh, but the reality is this, is that God has booby-trapped your life in such a way so that you can experience the fullness of his promises, and sometimes that takes a wilderness for him to make that happen. Uh, y'all, y'all watch, uh, I, I like movies. Um, I've been watching more shows lately, but I like movies. Um, so, like, Home Alone, any Home Alone fans, right? Uh, and, and so, like, I, I don't know how, like, uh, Macaulay Culkin, Kevin Costner. No, Kevin Costner's a whole other actor. What's the name? Kevin, whatever. I was like, Kevin, right? Um, he he kind of sets the whole house up so that no how, no matter how the um, the robbers are moving around, it's it's all it's all booby trapped, right? Like you touch the handle, your hand gets burnt out. You pull this, you get an iron on your head, right? All these, all, the whole house is booby trapped for them to fail. And what I'm trying to say is that God has booby trapped your life so that you can experience the promises of His uh, that He has given you in its fullness. And sometimes the booby trap hurts, but you still get to experience the promises. It's set up for you to see Him. It's set up for you to experience. Him. The process of this church plan is not particularly about how many people you are going to impact outside these doors. Uh, what God is doing is he is setting this thing up so that you as individuals and together can see and image him better. And then what happens is uh, as you do that, then people start looking at you and they're like, oh, there's something interesting going on there, right? Uh, they actually do love one another. Go figure that they might know us by our love for one another. I feel like somebody said that. But God has booby-trapped your life in such a way so that you can experience all of his promises, and his means are typically an unlikely plan. Uh, not only is it an unlikely plan, it's, 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 uh, it's broken people. If you look at this list, um, Abraham uh, was a coward, Jacob was a liar, uh, David was a murderer. You can keep on going. Uh, God's plan runs through in unlikely uh, ways, but the unlikely ways cross unlikely people. Uh, God uses broken people in an unbroken plan, (laughs) right? Uh, The same promises that he's fulfilling from Abraham, he's still actually working out in us today in different ways. Uh, The same promises that he gave to David, he is still working out as Jesus is our king and he is bringing on a new kingdom. And we as uh, citizens of heaven and citizens of a new kingdom are experiencing the the fullness of these promises uh, in a glimpse and we'll experience them all the more on the other side. He is using broken people. And and that is uh, a good news for us today because that is us. We are the broken people. 
Uh, uh, God is still in the business of working out how the world experiences his promises to them through his broken congregation, through his broken people, through the church. So what does that mean for you as you press on into the new era is uh, you can come here broken. Um, And not only can you come here broken, you are in search of the broken. Right? Uh, Jesus said, I've never uh, seen a healthy person that went to see a doctor. Right? That's why he said, I, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. The sick have the need for the physician, right? This is, uh, if you are here, uh, I think part of this sermon is a reminder that you are the broken. Because after five years of successful, uh, maybe windy and maybe some uh, weird decisions, but a particularized five-year church, you can start to forget that, uh, that you're the broken. You can start to forget that Jesus actually met you on the side of the road, broke down, busted, and disgusted with nothing to offer him, and he brought you into his family. Because what happens, and I've been here with churches, uh, I was born in a church plant too, let me say that too, right? Uh, So uh, what happens is churches start to grow, and they start to develop culture, and they start to develop uh, goals and visions, and we start to to be like who we want to be, and we start forgetting that who we were. Uh, and we start forgetting what, what, what got us on our knees uh, in the first year of our, our plan doesn't get us on our knees anymore. What gets us on our knees is, is how are we going to get the building and not how we're going to get to building the people. And I know this is set up and tear down. I know it's tough. I get it. Uh, uh, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen, right? I, I, uh, but here's the reality is that, is that God is taking it through an unlikely plan. You, you have to remember that though he is mending you, you once were a broken person. And that will keep you humble as you continue to reach out to broken people. Uh, there's one other thing I want to highlight uh, here from, from this list of names. And then, oh, shoot, Charlie got a clock. I don't even know how long I've been up here. Okay, don't tell me that. Um, is... Uh, you, 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 you see particularly the, the mention of women uh, in this genealogy. Um, uh, that, that would have been so countercultural um, in, in that time because everything ran through uh, firstborn sons and, and the male lineage, right? Um, the reason why uh, Ruth and Naomi had such a struggle, right, as we talk about Boaz and Ruth, and this, the reason why they had such a struggle is because when they moved to Israel, they didn't have any type of standing in the society. So she was uh, familyless, she was homeless, she was, head, uh, she was headless, not that she didn't have a head, but she did not have a male covering, right? Um, so for Matthew to highlight women in the midst of uh, historically male-dominated genealogies um, says something. Um, it, it says that what God is doing in his unlikely plans is he's doing uh, miraculous things to bring about the fruition and the execution of his promises. And he's using broken people, even people that would be considered the least of these in that society. Right. So you see Tamar uh, is mentioned. You see Rahab, who was mentioned, and she was a prostitute. You see uh, Ruth, who was a Gentile. And, and the whole line of, of Jesus comes through a Gentile. Uh, woman. You see Bathsheba, who, who is an, uh, the absolute least of these to the point where she's not even, she's alluded to and not mentioned, right? Uh, uh, one of the, 
one of the most uh, used and abused probably women in all of history. We've heard all kinds of sermons about Bathsheba and don't be a Bathsheba and what Bathsheba did right and wrong. And we went, come on, man. And the king brought her to his house. This is another sermon. Uh, abused, nameless, least of these are in the line of the king. Um, there are people that you've walked by in this city that you haven't even thought, I want them to be a part of what we do here. And some of it's, uh, right, like in the back of your head just as you're doing life, right? But, but there are people that, that you have probably actively uh, felt no connection to or like they may not belong here with us, right? I'll share the gospel with anybody that kind of checks off this checklist because they're worthy of being redeemed. They, they deserve to be in the list. But when it comes to some folks that might be prostitutes or Gentiles, whatever that means to us, or it might be some folks that look like they don't belong or they, they don't have this, what can they offer this body? They don't, we, we, we act like those folks don't belong. And what Matthew was saying is that uh, in this new era, when the Messiah comes, that, that everybody has a space because I'm taking my promises through an unlikely plan, using an unlikely broken people all the way down to the least of these. And I would, I, I would like to correct what I just did. It's not all the way down to the least of these. That, that is already a bad view because we are the least of these. It's our fault that we don't identify with what we are, right? And he's saying there's still room for you and there's room for them as you press on because this is what Jesus is doing in the new era. And those people uh, that you wouldn't even mention, that you wouldn't even honor, I'm going to give them center place as I tell you how God is working out his plan of redemption. These women that you want to, to shun, these women that you want to silence, these women, uh, Jesus says they're a part, right? What does Jesus say about the children? He says, hey, get out the way. <laughs> what, what, like, he's looking at, what are y'all doing? Move. Let these kids come up here, right? Like, the, the least of these. But, but we build our, our churches, we build our movements, we build our things for, uh, right, 22 to 42-year-old, typically married families with two children. And there's nothing, I'm that, right? I said I got three. Um, I'm not saying that there's space for us too, um, but we might not need to be the center of the thing. And there's really no room for us to be the center. Jesus is actually the center. And what Jesus is saying is me at the center has a gravitational pull and all of those that pulls all kinds of broken people, including you. So we see God's promises. We see God's uh, means. He goes through an unlikely plan. And, and, and really your encouragement for this next era is, is the God man. It's at the end of this genealogy, no matter how, Broken the father, no matter how distorted the story with the woman and how the, the, the genealogy worked out, no matter uh, how, how, how great the king after, and the, no matter what happened, at the end of this genealogy, we see that Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and that Mary gave birth to Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Uh, and in him, Everything that we've talked about uh, culminates and finds its, it's yes and amen. Uh, when we get to uh, verse, what was that, verse 16, what we see is that uh, all, Matthew is saying it, it, it's all led to this. 
everything in all of, from Genesis 1, when it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, that, that from Genesis 1 to this point, we have been working our way to him. That, that all of history might feel like it's an unlikely plan and like it's discombobulated and disconnected and like God is just an aimless God just weaving together this wild and um, inaccurate and in- disconnected story. But Matthew is saying that it all doesn't make sense and feels uh, disparate if you don't have it connect and lean into where it's headed and that is to him. That, that it's all headed to Jesus. That, that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises. Je- Jesus is the entry into a new land that Abraham could never dream of. Jesus is the king that David could never be. Jesus has a wisdom in himself that Solomon could never possess. Jesus goes, he doesn't uh, uh, distort, he doesn't uh, demonize, he doesn't uh, kick them out of the broken women or the broken people. What Jesus does is he takes the roundabout way to his destination so that he can have a chance meeting at a well at noon with a woman that is unnamed so he can remind her that despite of her brokenness, that he came here to be thirsty with her. I've come in my humanity to be thirsty with you, and I've come in my deity to give you an eternal drink. He's met, he meets these people. Jesus is fulfilling his promise in the most unlikely way. Everybody is looking for King Jesus to topple the throne and King Jesus to overthrow. And King Jesus, I mean, sometimes I feel like we think Jesus is going to be on the ballot, right? Like, real, real Jesus is about to run for president of the United States. We are so confused. And Jesus comes. And he's born in a manger, and he's born in, uh, with the pigs and the goats, and he don't have no bed, and he's not rich, he's actually poor, and he's not like the business owner, he's actually a blue-collar worker, um, and the Bible says he's not even particularly attractive. He's not who we're looking for. He's not Tom Brady, or he has a great chin. Um, he's not... He's not his unlikely plan, and nobody's looking for him. And in the midst of this unlikely plan, the God of the universe sets himself in flesh and comes to, to be with us, to, to fulfill his promises to us. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is the broken for us. How, how do you know you can press on into a new era as a broken people? Is because you have uh, served a God who on your behalf was broken for you. I believe we're coming to the table here today, um, and, and, and as you come to the table, what you need to be reminded of is that in this genealogy is enough broken people that you can identify yourself with one of them, and at the end of it is the answer for all of your brokenness, and it's Jesus. And his answer for your brokenness is not to just be whole. His answer is to be broken for you. On the cross 2,000 years ago, he was broken on your behalf so that you, as the broken, could come and be made whole. This is how he's working. God is working out his plans through the God-man. Jesus in his humanity, Jesus in his deity fulfills all of the promises of God in one person. He is broken for you. So as you plunk and press into a new era, uh, what does it look like for the city of hope to be a place that is uh, 
activated by God's promises, that, 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 are, that is watching and praising Jesus as he has fulfilled and is fulfilling those promises, as you dignify uh, those around you and, and you uh, uh, recognize their humanity, even in its brokenness, and bring them to the place where it can be restored. What, what does it look like for this city to have a, a group of, of people that, that are actively working out through their brokenness uh, because they are confident that the promises of God are still for them even in the midst of that, right? How, how can you offer grace to each other? It's, it's not because you actually like each other, although I hope you do, right? Um, it's not because you love each other, although I, I hope you do. You, you, you can extend grace upon grace because grace upon grace has been extended to you. You can extend that grace without even uh, the other party being a part, uh, aware that you're extending that grace. We love to extend grace and let people know, right? You was getting on my nerves the other day, but you know what? I ain't even going to do you like that. I ain't even going to, right? Or, or uh, how, how does it happen in the home, right? Oh, don't worry. I picked up that trash for you, right? Like, I want you to know, right? Just so you know. And God has said, I extended grace on you. The scripture says that, uh, that while we were yet sinners and, and that while we were enemies of God, and I, there are no enemies here. If you are called on the Lord, you might not like somebody here, but there are no enemies. And if you walk in here and you treat each other like you're enemies, you're actually not living into the promises. That, right? Uh, part of your sanctification is that person that God has taken your sanctification through an unlikely route, and that person is on it, and their brokenness and your brokenness have met so that Jesus can show you how he mends things together. It works out in a million ways, but here's what I know, is that God will be faithful to his promises to you, that God is working out his plan and his means in you, even if it feels unlikely, and that your hope that you'll make it through your hope for the next five years, your hope for the city of hope for the next five years and the 10 years and for the uh, church that were particularized that you plant in 20 years and, and for your impact in the next 40 or 50 years when none of us are even here and they're, and they're telling stories of that little small ragtag group that used to meet on the third floor. And God will still be faithful working out his promises to them. This is not for us. This is for them because God's Promises are for us and for our children and for our children's children. He's going to work it out. Uh, you are in a new era, and that's a good thing. Um, but I want you to make a, a sober decision as you are on the mountaintop to, to be clinging to God's promises because the way down is steep, right? You get to the top of the roller coaster, and you're like, oh, why did I get on this? Right? Um, and it's going to be an unlikely means. Um, but you can change, you can cling to our hope, right? Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness in the midst of this new era with all that it brings because it's his glory that we seek and he will be glorified in his church today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, uh, thank you for uh, this opportunity to be here with City of Hope um, God, even the name, I pray that as they press on into a new era that they would uh, remember that their name, uh, that they have been called to be a city set on a hill, a city within a city, 
that is actively uh, phys a physical manifestation of the reality that you are still carrying out your promises and that you are faithful and that in the God-man you have given us all we need for a life of godliness to, to satisfy, uh, uh, not to satisfy, but to obey and to live uh, lives that are holy and sanctified for you, for your good, for your kingdom, for your glory. So God, be with us as we, as we live into these realities this week. Teach us how to live right. <laughs> Teach us how to love our neighbor. Teach us how to be those who will cling to your promises above all else. Because in clinging to your promises, we know we cling to Jesus, the one who is all of your promises fulfilled. And it's in his name we pray.